Welcome to the second reading podcast from the University of Texas at Austin. The Republicans were in the Democratic Party because there was only one party. So I tell people on a regular basis, there is still a land of opportunity in America. It's called Texas. The problem is these departures from the Constitution, they have become the norm. At what point must a female senator raise her hand or her voice to be recognized over the male colleagues in the room? And welcome back to the Second Reading Podcast. I'm Jim Henson, director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. And uh, this is a, a off-schedule version of the podcast. We're recording on the Friday before Labor Day weekend. Uh, we changed our usual schedule to accommodate the release this week of a new Texas Politics Project poll. And so I'm joined by the best person to talk about that with, Josh Blank, uh, the research director for the Texas Politics Project here at UT. Josh, good morning. We're still in morning. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> um, so the poll we just released has, you know, as always, results on a ton of subjects. We focused, as we have been, you know, as part of a kind of growing research project that we have undertaken on the COVID pandemic, a lot of trend data on that. Lots of focus on the Texas legislature, on issues in politics, both before the legislature and kind of surrounding it in a way, um, which I suspect some of that will come up. Now, you know, when we talk about these polls, it inevitably gets us into, you know, my notes say the details. I almost, <laughs> my head went to say the weeds. Um <laughs> But it's hard not to read into this poll some big features of the current moment, uh, where we are in Texas politics and really where the state is. I, you know, we talked about that. I mean, I, you know, I, I think we always feel that way a little bit, but it, it, there's a certain kind of zeitgeist uh, sense that I get from this poll. And, and so I, I think what we ought to do today is, you know, start with a look at the big picture and the political landscape in the state. I mean, I, I don't want to misrepresent you, Josh. I mean, I think you got that sense too. And that's not to say that there aren't good details here, but there's a certain, there's something hanging over this. Yeah. I mean, I was sort of kind of half smirking here, you know, as, as you were kind of setting that up because you repeated the word focus a few times and I was sort of, you know, and I'd struck by it because I think one of the things that was so difficult about writing this poll in some ways is sort of trying to figure out where to look. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on. You brought up, you know, you know, the Delta variant resurgent COVID uh, pandemic. You think about all the things that have been going on during the special session. I mean, the special session is a topic unto itself. But you think about the relationships between, you know, the governor and the legislature, between the governor and the legislature and local governments, you know, between the chambers. And then that's even before you get into the policy debates in some ways. You know, there is the idea of focus right now, kind of where to look is hard. That's almost why I think it is probably best to maybe take a step back and say, let's just let's start at 30,000 feet yeah. before we before we get into the quote unquote weeds, if you will. Although I can't promise I won't. I can't. You well, know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, the you know, all the you know, as I always say, you know, all the pieces matter. And, you know, <laughs> but I, I guess what I was getting at it, you know, in some ways, you know, and this is my own cognitive template you know, it all kind of fits together in a way this time that just, just feels like a little bit more, well, I'll say it again, a little bit more in focus, even from 30,000 feet or in looking at the big picture than, than is often the case. Now, 
you know, maybe, you know, there's just things that pointed in that direction. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things we could look at. So, I mean, the the good place to start in thinking about looking at this, you know, looking at the big picture is to look at the more macro level estimations. And this really, you know, I mean, I I guess I guess it's, you know, it's <laughs> feels, you know, pardon the word, feels a little douchey to do this, but to connect, you know, our social media presence with our podcast. But, oh, yeah. you know, I, I was really struck by, you know, as I was trying to pick out things to begin to distribute on Twitter as we were rolling the poll out just how much one of the early things that I pushed out on um, the right track, wrong direction number or right direction, wrong track numbers for Texas just really sort of seemed to resonate with a lot of people, at least in our Twitter verse. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that really, I mean, you know, just to put the number on it there, you know, this is the first time since uh, October, 2009. So long we've been conducting this poll that a majority of Texans said that the state is headed uh, on the wrong track. So 52% said wrong track, 35% said right direction. That was a pretty sharp uptick in the you know share of people who said wrong track in it. But it, you know, as you see, I mean, you're, as you're talking about the idea of things coming into focus, I, I you know I was thinking about a conversation I think we had on this podcast you know prior, you know about the idea that you know when you're looking around at the number of crises that the state was you know, seem to be facing in the last few months, whether, you know, from external circumstances or from their own, you know, approach to those circumstances and others, that things were looking kind of hinky. I mean, we were kind of, I think we were asking this hinky. question about hinky. That's right. I mean, we were, well, I'm not trying to be, well, are things that was going what, in the right direction or are they on the hinky track? Well, I think hinky <laughs> was the word when it's like, you know, when we weren't sure, right. When we weren't sure about what the public reaction would be to sort of the, the perpetual conflicts. I mean, you know, we sort of had this idea, I think we were, I think we said this, maybe not, but I'll say it again, which is, you know, with all that was going on with the Democrats leaving, you know, Abbott repeatedly calling the special sessions, it kind of felt, it had the feel of like a government shutdown in a way. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a government shutdown, but the idea of, hey, Republicans are in control of the whole system here. And yet it seems like there's a fair amount of dysfunction going on. How And the question was at that time, is why I say hinky, and now we can say a little bit more clearly dour, how are people, to, to link up our, our presences, how, you know, how are people reacting to all this? Because I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think we were already starting this off with is there's so many things you could focus on and I don't expect everybody to focus on all things, right? right? I mean, we try to, you know, we try to be as, as informed on all these things as we possibly can, but we do that professionally for the normal voter out there, you know, they're going to pick up, you know, bits and pieces of what's going on. And the question kind of is what, what were they picking up and how are they interpreting it? I think that, you know, if you look across the scope of the poll at the sort of general level in terms of the mood questions, some of the job approval numbers, uh, you know, attitudes about Texas's economy, everything went down. Now, some of that is certainly due to, to COVID. I mean, don't want to like set that, don't want to keep that as separate, but you know, my interpretation is, yeah, you know, people looked at all this stuff going on during the summer and kind of said, you know, this, uh, this doesn't look right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you want that's to, not to I that. should say, that's not to say whether there's a partisan direction to that per se, or it's all well, you have to, or yeah, the and other. You kind of, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's a cut. Yeah. I mean, unpacking how partisanship, I mean, I think contributes to this is a, is a piece of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's been interesting as people, you know, in the last 24 hours since we released this and I've talked to a few people about it, you know, people really, as I said, people really seized on this number. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the follow-up question of like, well, why is that? And as I've unpacked <laughs> it, I mean, I was talking to, to somebody at KXAN this morning 
And as we were kicking around the idea of like, well, you know, as you were saying, without just repeating, you know, there's a bunch of things out there that could be contributing to this and probably are. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get through going through those things, I I found myself kind of going, yeah, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little surprised that num that wrong track number isn't higher. You know, well, and, and so when you start kind of looking at looking at it that way, you know, there's a lot out there and, and you do see it, you know, and you see it in other places in the poll. I mean, you're right. You're right. It is. I mean, you could say it is a little surprising. It's not higher, but a lot of people also hide in the neither. Right. I don't have an opinion. So that's that's the thing. If you look at that right track, wrong track number, you know, right. 52 say right track, 35 say wrong track. That doesn't equal 100 percent. The remainder chose not to offer an opinion. But I think an important point here also, as we look at from the last poll, the share of Democrats who said that uh, the state is on the wrong track increased by eight points from 70 to 78 percent okay so democrats much more negative but also the wrong track number among republicans increased 10 points from 21 percent to 31 percent so 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 each party was almost was act you know is almost equally and actively contributing to the uptick in the in the wrong track numbers and that's that's sort of the you know there's sort of a big picture element to that which is like you know when i say it's not solely partisanship or it's not all in one direction it's a lot going on here yeah, I mean, because I think you see, I mean, because the direction of the U.S. numbers are not, yeah, not particularly are far off. I mean, they're worse. They're more right. dismal. They're 64-25, but it's the 64 wrong track, 25 right track, right direction. But it's still, you know, in the ballpark of people just feeling like things aren't working well. Now, you know, since I jump to the national, I mean, you know, you can look, as we look at different places, I mean, at some of the candidates for this. Mm-hmm. And think about what the what the broad strokes portrait is. You know, I mean, I, I think this. I don't. I mean, how do you how do you think polar partisan polarization plays into this, or do you think it does? I mean, well, we just talked about how, and I don't mean in terms of feeding the right track, wrong truck, and a track in a partisan within a partisan pattern. I, you know, I think I'm thinking more about the kind of you know the the experiential part of the partisan polarization that we're seeing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's an interesting, interesting question. I mean, I, I guess two things kind of come to mind and I'm not sure, you know, if you have an idea where you, know, where you want me to go with this, but I'll, no, I'm I'll on, get- you know, honestly, I put it in the notes and I, and I feel like, you know, I think this is a thing, but I, I don't think you and I have talked about it in this term. And I was just, yeah, sure. Wondering. I mean, I mean, one of the things I think right now is I think, I think COVID obviously complicates things. You know, I mean, if I think back over the decade of polling that we've we've done here, you know, and think about the last time we had a Democrat in the White House in, in Barack Obama, it was it was so clear that te- Texas was so Texas so clearly positioned itself in contrast to the federal government, you know, and and so it was very clear that you know that sort of Obama would want to do this, and then sort of you know whoever the Attorney General was at the time of the state government would say, not on our watch, we're going to lead the fight. And in some ways, I mean, that's where Republicans in Texas are kind of at their at their best, at least for Republicans, right? I mean, that sort of sets up a clear, you know, us versus them mentality, uh, which right now I think you know COVID kind of cuts through that a little bit because ultimately you have somewhere between a quarter and a third of Republicans who you know want to see COVID taken seriously, you know, at the state level, and so I think that creates a complexity. Now, I think the only thing that kind of keeps you know those numbers from getting, you know, potentially a little bit more out of hand are two things, one positive and one negative. I think the positive thing is probably what Republicans are in the state here are banking on, which is that they've done a lot of things 
her various constituencies within the Republican Party over these special sessions, which should remind them why they like Republicans. The other thing about that I think is an even, even bigger factor here is something that we've talked about a little bit here and we're trying to talk a little bit more about, which is negative partisanship, the negative partisanship side of polarization, which is it's not so much about how much you know Republicans feel warm and fuzzy about their party and Democrats about their own, but about how much they dislike the other party. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's the other piece here that sort of, you know, keeps keeps the lid from coming off the top here, which is, you know, if 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 in the state we were simply, you know, if we, if we go back some generations and, and the fight were really between, let's say, the center right and the far right, and we were just choosing between those things, you know, you might say, well, you know, this is a little, but that's not the fight. It's between Republicans and Democrats and Democrats are just untenable as a choice to most Republicans. And so I think that kind of keeps things relatively constrained within the reactions. But I don't know. These are just some loose thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that, I don't think. But I also think that I, I guess what I was thinking is that as we look at these sort of general mood numbers and we look at the assessment of efficacy of institutions and various ways that we look at that, I'm wondering if now that we've settled in this pattern of, you know, ideologically sorted and polarized parties, if it's not settling in with people in a way that they makes them feel less good about politics and policy as they experience it. And part of it is, you know, the, some of the, you know, the electoral considerations. And I think the negative partisanship enters into this. Um, but I also think, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but we were looking at that, that academic piece earlier about, you know, the fit of polarized parties with academic, with American institutions and, and American constitutional design that if there isn't a kind of inchoate kind of adjustment to that, that is making people more dour about politics, you know, part of that is a familiar story about polarization and institutional dysfunction, but there's also something about the impact of this on governance and, and, you know, what in the old days we used to call the state civil society interface that fancy that, that, you know, brings people down, you know, to put it in a knot. And, and what I mean is, you know, your day-to-day experience of that, and look, the, the COVID piece, I think, is part of this too, and we'll come to that. You know, but I think this, you know, it causes a lot more anxiety and tension in your everyday social relations if, you know, as a Democrat, you hate Republicans so much that it kind of rankles you when you have to deal with them, and vice versa. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the fact of the matter is, yes, we're very sorted and we generally see people of our own, broadly speaking, social milieu and, and you know, our own. Social networks are, are social, more homogenous you know, than not. Yeah, regi- yeah are, exactly. You know, we interact in, in homogenous social networks, but, you know, you're not completely sheltered from others. And when you're harboring all this, right. you know, angst and, and kind of, you know. Yeah. Hostility, you know, in some cases and and feelings of, you know, all these negative emotional and cognitive experiences that come from these kinds of politics. You know, how are you going to not when somebody says, hey, you think things are going in the right direction? I think you're a little more inclined if you're experiencing that to go. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, right. I mean, especially when, you know, know, that's all very inchoate, but I think this is an, this is a measure of something that's in, I mean, this measure is inherently inchoate, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I like that. You talked about how weird it is as a measure and, you know, all these things. 
Yeah, ago. sure. But I mean, but I, I, but I mean, I like, I mean, the general point I think is, is, is an important one. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about it, the, you know, just to flesh out the argument that the person made a little bit more is say, you know, there's nothing wrong with having polarized parties, polarized parties, parties provide clear choices for people. And that's actually a, you know, it's not a right. bad thing, right? I mean, you necessarily want the parties to be exactly the same. The issue is that, you know, our institutions, you know, were designed, you know, with, with the laughable expectation that this wouldn't happen, although it happened right. immediately. And so that, you know, especially at the national level, what that kind of, you know, leads to is that, you know, basically mostly inaction, right? So we could have large majorities of people wanting something to happen at the national level. And basically we should expect that it's almost impossible. I mean, I think the, the infrastructure bill is just such a great example. I mean, think about how hard it was to get something that basically everybody wants, better right. roads, better broadband, you know, more transportation, up, up, updates and upgrades. And it, it would be in every district. You know, so on the one hand, you know, you've got the frustration with the national system. I think in the state system, you know, I think about, you know, another a colleague of ours at UT, Chris Vlesian, and his idea of like the sort of thermostatic models of policy, where the idea is that, you know, usually the electorate makes these responses. If you go one too far one way, it's like turning the therm, you know, it's like the, it gets too hot in the room and the thermostat adjusts. But we don't really see that here. We've seen Republicans in control for, you know, 20 plus years. And that creates a lot of frustration both among Democrats, but also, I mean, I think you can see this among Republicans when they don't get hundred percent of what they want in a state where they control the entirety of the government. Right. Yeah. And then as you said, and then at the local level, you have people walking around suspecting that their neighbors might be closet fascists or socialists. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, no. And that's what I'm just, getting at is that, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a, there's something about how this is seeping into lived experience on a term, daily basis. The term you use civil society is a nice, interesting yeah. kind of cap. I mean, I can see why that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the things that's going, you know, that, that is feeding into this in, in political polling is, you know, we're, we're seeing this in, you know, the the items where we were checking in on people's thoughts about elections and democracy and, mm-hmm. you know, ways of kind of sampling people's attitudes about the, the political system writ large. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, again, you don't want to overestimate the degree to which, you know, People, your average person thinks about the political system a lot less than we do, um, but nonetheless, it touches them and they have some kind of attitudes about it. However, they construct it, and I think you know we saw that in the, you know, we've been seeing that for a while going back into the Trump presidency, in terms of the the erosion of trust in elections and voting, obviously very front and center in the politics in the state right now. You know, we saw it in the in the universal drop in approval ratings in this poll. You know, I mean, uh, the fact that Governor Abbott's approval rating is uh, the lowest in our time series and and has been declining um, is is one indication of that. But you know, most everybody went down at least some. Mm-hmm. Some people went down quite a bit. The legislative assessment went down. Uh, the assessment of how and again, this is this is plugged into conditions on the ground, but certainly, you know, the assessment of how different levels of government were, were responding to COVID went down. Now I wouldn't want to read too much into that, given that, you know, there's evidence that the fight against COVID is not going well at the time we're in the field, which is, you know, as the Delta variant was peaking, hopefully, but nonetheless, you know, all of these things are also suggesting that there's a lot of unhappiness and, and, dissatisfaction with the political system that's also feeding into all this. You know, you, you know, you make a really good point there that I think is worth worth saying, 
you know, I mean, almost more explicitly in some ways, which is, you know, I'm hearing you, what I'm thinking is, is, you know, it's really easy to look at these numbers and to look at the drop in job approvals for Republican elected officials. Uh, I mean, I'm saying, when I say Republican elected officials, I mean, statewide elected officials right. here in Texas. And we're not picking on Republicans. There are no, it's just, I mean, we're implicitly be, picking on the Democrats, yeah, actually, there's, no to there's no Democratic <laughs> statewide official. Right. Um, but, you know, it'd be really, I think it'd be really easy and for a lot of people satisfying to go and say, see, look, see, they did this and now people don't like it. And it's like, well, but I think, you know, the point that you're making a little bit here, and I think the point that I was kind of making earlier here about, you know, the fact that there are a lot of cross currents going on, but it's a lot of cross currents in terms of policy and a lot of difficulty of, you know, the politics of attention and how much people have, but it's taking place in a discussion that's really prizing or prioritizing the, this idea that there's, you know, serious institutional problems where in some cases there aren't. And so, you know, to some extent, it's easy to look at, I think, these results, and I think, I'm sure people will, uh, and write, you know, stories that say, oh, well, you see, Texans are turning on their Republican leadership. And as someone who studies yeah. this stuff, you know, and looking at the internals in the poll, we're not getting to the weeds here. I don't know that that's the case. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know looking at these results that, you know, these, that these drops are universally in reaction to one thing or the general sense that's kind of being pushed around. I mean, you sort of talked about, you know, faith in democracy. I mean, one of the things that I think is super interesting to this poll is, you know, we asked a question that we've asked before about how accurate people think the election results are in Texas, the official election results, right? Uh, overall, you know, the share who said it was accurate in February was 78%, either very or somewhat accurate. And it dropped four points overall to 74%. Not much. I mean, it's fine, yeah, right? Right on the bubble of, you know, yeah. But what's interesting, Just you know, is... Yeah, but what's interesting is that you know Democrats basically no change. Eighty-eight percent February said they're accurate in Texas. Eighty-seven percent uh, in August. Republicans again in a in a state run by Republicans who've won elections for the last twenty years. It went from seventy-six percent to sixty-seven percent. So almost almost a ten-point drop in the share who said that elections are accurate in the state. This is be this is you know directly in response to the discussion that's being had about elections in the state. Now, how is that supposed to give people faith in the process here? Yeah. It's clearly not. Well, you know, we wrote an op-ed about this back, you know, which is <laughs> looking increasingly naive. Well, <laughs> well it, was or, hope, you know, it was hopeful. Yeah, op -ed, op yeah, yeah. Op Op-eds are naturally naive. Uh, optimistic, I guess. Yes. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that all of that is playing out there and it's mixed in with, with partisan politics, but I, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting that, and it's almost like it's part of the problem that we're describing is that as soon as you say, Hey, look, yeah, Governor Abbott's numbers are down and you know, the state's in a bad mood, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, people are like, Oh, so they're in trouble, right? If you're, if they're Democrats or if you're a reporter looking for the story, you know, and I think that's probably something we'll delve into more next week, you know, yeah. because, there are two sides of this. There's the, is there a larger environmental, you know, not mm -hmm. in terms of green environment, but just in terms of macro level kind of thing going on out there that transcends this, you know, accountability, right? Mm -hmm. What we think of as, you know, accountable politics. Um, but there is also an accountability piece to it, but that also invites us to pay some close attention to what the mechanisms and possibilities for that kind of accountability are in the state right now, given the political universe. In other words, well, you know, I mean, just to just to put a lid on it because we'll come back to it. But I, yeah. you know, you know, in other words, the fact that you know, if if, if Governor Abbott is in trouble, who's going to hold him accountable if the Democrats don't have a gubernatorial candidate yet? Bingo. So, 
you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could see us, Jim and I are both throwing our hands up. Yes. And throw, a, um, throw a hand emoji. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think we can't talk about this general malaise that has come up, but without looking at it a little more directly about just how the, the resurgence of the pandemic and what we saw in the data on that. We have so much data on that. We'll, and we'll, we'll drill down to that more at some point in either writing or here or both. Um, but, you know, obviously the, you know, a big driver of this is COVID, whether it's directly about that or not. I mean, I think, you know, there was a, you know, there was a, a, an outburst, like, you know, kind of a, you know, what would you call it? A, you know, an uptick in the market for the argument sort of in the first six or eight months of the pandemic that, you know, the pandemic was bad in and of itself, you know, as a just considered on its own. But the other thing is that it brought out a lot of that. It, it exacerbated faults that were already happening, you know, depending on the commentator, you know, in the political system, in society, in, you know, whatever. Um, and I got a little tired of reading that, but maybe just because, you know, it was it became obvious. But I mean, I think it's worth returning to that as we return to as we see this other uptick and as we see these other macro level numbers in Texas that began, you know, that began to move south in ways, you know, however noisily with the the start of the pandemic. Um, and I think it's, you know, I, I think about it in the same way that I was thinking about polarization and that there's a, there's a very, con there's a kind of analytical concrete piece to this that we can see pretty clearly in the data, you know, the criticism of government response, um, you know, the, the, the polarization that we see among between the parties and almost all measures. Now that's complicated because uh, uh, Democrats are responding for the most part in a, in a more homogenous way than, than Republicans are, although Republicans are clearly leaning in a particular direction. That's we've talked about that's, you know, less concerned, less cautious pursuit, less likely to be pursuing certain kinds of behavior. But, you know, there's another thing that, that I, I think you were mentioning in a conversation with us the other day that's coming out of COVID that is also feeding this, which is, you know, it's fueling a lot of bad feelings and negative emotions among people that are coming from their day-to-day -day experience. Yeah, I mean, th this is actually a pretty good bookend on this discussion in some ways, right? I mean, it's one thing, I mean, as you pointed out, you know, this whole idea of like, you know, your social experience, right? And, and, and you know, what it's like in your social circles and when you extend out beyond your social circles and, and sort of dealing with other people and the, and the thoughts that people now, I mean, the thing is, is it, I mean, this is kind of almost the key. It kind of wraps it perfectly, which is, you know, it's one thing when you're sort of, you know, if you're a liberal and, you know, you're meeting a new person for whatever, and you're thinking, you know, for whatever reason you might be thinking about their politics, it's kind of abstract, right? But COVID is not. Right. And that's the thing. And so, you know, you, you have this situation where, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to go, you're going to go meet some people. It's like, so are they going to wear masks or not? And depending on what right. your political orientation is, you know you're going to feel a certain way about it. But then the other thing is, and I think this is big and, you know, I'll say I'm a parent. Right. And then you start bringing this argument into the schools and now, you know, you're turning the, you're turning the temperature up on something that's already pretty, you know, pretty hot. Yeah. Already boiling, for, already <laughs> boiling for a lot of people. And you've got, you know, and again, it's sort of, you've got people on one side say it's crazy. They did these kids aren't masks. And then you've got, you know, other people on the other side going up to the school and ripping the masks off of teachers for some reason, you yeah. know, and so, or, or, or feeling like they should show up at schools and just, you know, sort of harass people as they're going in or try to pick a yeah. fight or an argument or make people, well, you know, make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to, I mean, you know, you could think that this happens in more acute and less acute ways. I mean, you think about, I mean, the bit, one of the big stories we were not talking about, obviously, is the uh, decision by the Supreme Court to allow Texas to move forward with its six, its six weeks ban. But one of the things that a lot of people honed in on, you know, at least nationally, you know, at this point, I mean, we've been talking about here for a while, is this, you know, the, the, the private enforcement of that and the idea yeah. that, you know, Texans are going to go around spying on other Texans for a potential $10,000 bounty to enforce the law. You know, that, how does that not create suspicion amongst people now? That's a very limited pool of people, both who want to yeah, do anti-abortion that. Anti-abortion groups, you know, use, you know, organ, you know, setting up websites where you can go report your neighbors. Yeah. And I'm not trying to minimize this, but I mean, the number of, of women seeking to obtain abortions in Texas is a small share of the overall population. So we're talking about groups of people and the other people that affects around that, but we're talking about a, a smaller share of people. But then when you're talking about COVID and you're talking about, you know, mask requirements, you're talking about social distancing, you're talking about all this stuff, you're really talking about people's day-to-day interactions, their yeah. day-to-day lives. And it happens all over the place. We, you know, we asked this in the poll, and if you haven't, you should go take a look at this. We ask about, you know, I think a range of like 14 different activities and whether or not people think they're safe yeah. or not. And you can look and see, you know, again, the large shares of Republicans who think all of these activities are now safe, including, you know, going to the gym, whatever. And again, it's not everyone, but it's, it's a lot more. And among Democrats, significantly less. Right. And so you just have, you know, you're creating, uh, I mean, or not what has been created at this point, I'll say that in a very yeah. <laughs> passive way is an environment in which, you know, these politics that, you know, we could generally think of as abstract and sort of personal and, you know, maybe not even really affecting, you know, me directly or my relationship with another person. Well, all of a sudden, it does, and it does, and it does, and it can in a you know in a myriad ways, in a myriad of ways across a range of activities, and that you know how is that gonna, not going to make people feel yeah. just tired? I mean, it just it just increase. Yeah, I mean, it increases the the personal friction on a daily basis in a way that I think accumulates. I mean, I you know it, it was funny, and it, it probably subconsciously when I seized on that right track, wrong track number was one of the first things I pushed out. It was, I, I I would say I honestly felt a little like, well, you know, I'm glad it's not just my household that feels just kind of crappy about like what's going on out there. Right. You know, and the general sense of things. And I, and I think, you know, and, and I, going back to where I started, I mean, that's, I think, you know, there is something to the fact that the pandemic is, has brought those frictions, you know, into our daily lives in a much more pronounced way because of the way that that attitudes, that partisan attitudes map onto behaviors and attitudes towards the virus and attitudes towards, you know, other people's attitudes about it. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it's just seeped into so many things. And it's just, you know, it's like just activated a lot of, a, a lot, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, and there's this thing that they do, you know, they, when we talk about negative partisanship where they'll ask people, you know, they'll do these surveys where they ask people to sort of uh, surmise the attitudes of people in the other party. And the, the, the end point is basically Democrats think Republicans are much more extreme and kind of worse people than, you know, Republicans are. And Republicans think the same thing of Democrats most of the time. But the problem is is that just the acknowledgement that one Democrats and Republicans think these things, they have these sort of archetypal images of members of the other party who are much worse than the average member of the other party in their eyes. But now all of a sudden you can tell that because people either are, or aren't wearing a mask and you get to extrapolate that on all kinds of people incorrectly yeah. in, in all kinds of daily interactions. And I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a bum situation. It's not. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's aggravated by the fact that there is a real risk calculation going on in there. 
Yeah, it's, it's personal. And so what's, you know, and, and, you know, it's something I get just kind of now coming to, I think, you know, in the moment is that, you know, in this case, this is where that partisanship is really doing a lot of damage because it distorts your risk calculation, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that has a direct public health consequence. And, you know, we've seen that in, in some of the data and we're seeing it in, in the epidemiological, we've seen it in our public opinion data and we're seeing it in the epidemiological data about, you know, how and where and why the, the virus is spreading. I think with that, on that happy note, um, <laughs> I'll thank Josh and I'll thank our crew. And Josh uh, flagged the the website. If you're um, if you're hearing this on, on, on Spotify or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or one of the, the outlets, you know, drop by our website and have a look. We'll uh, this is another one of the podcasts that we'll we'll do a blog post that includes some of the data we've talked about here, particularly that trend data. Um, and while you're there at texaspolitics.utexas.edu, you know, have a look at the latest poll data. Have a look at the blog. We have lots and lots of results uh, from this result that uh, that paint an interesting portrait of what's going on in Texas. So, thanks for listening, and we'll be back probably on regular track uh, earlier next week, and we'll. Look at more detail in more detail with some of these things. So thanks a lot. And we'll be back. The second reading podcast is a production of the Texas politics project at the university of Texas at Austin.